Hey friends, it's me, Katie Ann, and your host to the Full Confidence Head podcast, where we go on a journey together tackling the fears of life from family relationships to finance, from careers to community. And today we are tackling this fear that I used to have, and I think a lot of us do, and that is learning a second language. And a lot of us have either learned a second language in high school or in college or just in our communities, or let's be honest, on the different apps that we all love. But today I'm super excited to introduce to you Professor Michael Child, and he has a B and an MA in Portuguese and a PhD in second language acquisition and teaching. That PhD is key for us. He is truly the expert in how adults learn another language. So I'm super excited to introduce to you Professor Child and this interview. Okay, podcast listeners, we are so excited for this interview today. Today we have Dr. Child here on the podcast. And so some things about him, he got his BA and MA in Portuguese, but then went on to do a PhD at the University of Arizona in second language acquisition and teaching, as well as a minor in Hispanic linguistics. He's fluent in English, Portuguese, Spanish, and the best thing is he was actually my Portuguese linguistics teacher. And I wanted him on here because I just thought his research was fascinating, and there is so much fear with learning a language, so why not learn from the expert? So we are so excited to have you on. Thank you for being on with us today. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. Okay, we just want to get to know you a little bit more too. So are you more a spaghetti person or the fettuccine person with your sauces? Ooh, fettuccine. Fettuccine, okay. Are you a dog person or a cat person? Huge dog person, but I have two kids that are allergic. Oh, so we no. can't have dogs. Yeah, I grew up with an Alaskan Malamute, so yeah, I love dogs. The allergies are always hard. You're like, I wish we could have them, but... I know, right? No, that's always hard. Okay, and then we have to know if you could only speak one language for the rest of your life, because you speak three, which one would you choose? (laughs) Oh, wow, that's hard. Well, I speak English the best, so I'd probably choose that, but not because it's in any way better than the others. (laughs) I just feel more comfortable because it's my native language. That is so fun. Okay, we want to just start off this podcast with how did you even get into the love of languages? How did this become your pathway? You know, I thought about that a little while back and I realized I had forgotten this, but when I was a kid, I remember thinking how cool it would be to speak another language. And I don't think I knew what that meant, but just in my mind, oh, I could speak in this different code. And then in junior high and high school, I took Spanish and French classes and had great teachers. But then I was called to serve a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints to Portugal. Mm -hmm. And that was where the real love of, well, I mean, I loved it before, but that's where I really learned to speak fluently. And then I came back and took some classes at uh, Brigham Young University where I got my undergraduate degree and specifically a linguistics class really hit me and I just loved it. I was fascinated by it. But yeah, I think I've always been interested in it. I've always been interested in a lot of things, but it was definitely one of my interests for sure. Did you always have this vision that you wanted to have your career in it or was it kind of just this developing hobby? Yeah, no, for sure not. Um, I had no idea. I knew I loved teaching. So when I was getting my undergraduate degree, 
I taught a little bit at the Missionary Training Center for a little while, mm-hmm. which is in Provo, Utah. I taught Portuguese, but then I also taught guitar lessons because I'm a musician and I love that. And I love being a teacher. So I knew that teaching was something that I enjoyed. But no, in fact, there were many times where I thought, wow, because I have other interests. I do some real estate investing and some other things. And I thought, boy, where do I go? But I just absolutely love working with people. And, and it sounds silly to say, but I really mean it. I mean, I help teach, but we just learn together. I'm constantly learning and growing from just my interaction with my students. And I love it. So I kind of just picked that path and went with it. That's so interesting with your path. Um, So did you do your PhD once you had decided you wanted to teach? Or did you just kind of pursue your passion of languages and teaching came along? Um, no, I wanted to teach and, and in academia, especially in the United States, but even outside you to get a full-time job with benefits and everything else, you have to have a PhD. And so I wasn't drawn initially to the research aspect of it so much as the teaching. But then when I realized that you had to have this, you had to have a PhD, I, um, applied to the university of Arizona for the second language acquisition and teaching program, which is kind of an applied linguistics degree. It's a very open degree that you can choose many different paths. And I started to fall in love with research, but no, it was the teaching first that pushed me to getting a PhD. And I, and I took a long time to decide. I kind of <laughs> stopped for a while and went back. And while we were, uh, while I was getting my PhD, my wife and I had three more kids. So we oh, had four wow. at the time. So it took me a little longer than it takes most people. I was a little oh. slow. That's so interesting, your pathway with that. Um, And do you consider yourself a linguist then? Are you a linguist? For sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and, and that's a big term, right? We talked about it in class, Uh but it's someone who studies language and not necessarily languages, but I do study languages as well, but it's Mm -hmm. studying how language works, but I consider myself more of an applied linguist. Mm -hmm. So the term is, I mean, it can mean a lot of things, but in this sense, it's someone who studies language so that they can help others learn language as adults. Cause we all learn our native language as kids and it comes naturally and just happens, but it can be a little harder when we're adults. And so I was very, I was fascinated by that because it was a challenge and, and I was, I was good at it, but it was still just so hard. I mean, you know, right. You've been through a oh. similar experience. And Nossa, touchy fiesel. Oh my it's goodness. Hard. It's so hard. And you get, you have these moments and you think you're, I'd have days. I don't know if you felt the same way, but I'd have days where I thought I'm just so good. I'm really great. You know? And then the next day I couldn't spit out the like most simple sentence and I struggled oh, yeah. to communicate. And I thought, <laughs> Oh man. And so it was the challenge of it. And I just, I was fascinated by, I mean, the field that I study there's a big question, right? Everyone learns their first language. Mm-hmm. And we, and with very few exceptions, we learn it incredibly well, all of us, whether you go to school or not. I mean, you can communicate and do everything you want, and it's a really amazing skill. And yet when we try to learn it as adults, a second language or an additional language, it's hard. And we rarely get, we, I'm speaking in the general term, just people right. rarely get to that same level in it fascinated me. Why is this so difficult? Because I'm putting so much effort into it. And I've learned a lot about it since, but it was just fascinating, the study of learning a language as an adult. 
we're just excited for you to teach us because I think a lot of us have like downloaded Duolingo or we've had more formal training. Like I've learned Portuguese and whatnot, but we've found that as an adult, it is, we don't really remember our acquisition as a child quite as much, but obviously, like you said, most of us are, are speaking it well, but there is something for us that's difficult. So this is a topic we all relate to. Um, most of us in high school had to take a, a language course and we all at least have gone through this difficult moment, probably, I'm saying this pretty generally, but probably for most of us, it took effort for this. So, okay, second language acquisition. This is a scary thing. Start us off, like, what are the challenges? How do we get through them? We're just excited to hear your research with this as well, with second language acquisition. Yeah, let me think of where I would start with this. I mean, I, as you know, right, we talked about this in the linguistics class a lot. There's a, a big difference between the language that we speak mm-hmm. with our friends and family and in our everyday life and the language that you learn in school that many people seem to think is the real language, right? Right. You know, you'll even get people, you'll ask me, say, do you speak any other languages? They say, no, I speak one and I speak it poorly. As a linguist, I'd laugh and say, no, you don't. You're, you do just great. What right. we learn in school is the formal variety that no one speaks natively. Mm-hmm. And so when I speak about, or when I talk about speaking a language, I'm actually referring to what we do in our houses and with our friends and, just everyday stuff, not the formal rules that we learn in high school and then in college and things like that, even though there's a place for formal language, as we all know. And so as an adult, you have, as a child, let's start as a child, you're learning about the world and language is a huge part of that. You're learning it all at the same time. And so your parents will talk to you about objects and things and they'll use words for those. And so you come not only, you know, you have the mind of a one-year-old or a six-month-old or whatever age you are, but you don't have experience. Well, as adults, we already know the names of things, right? I can say watch and hand and desk and computer. And so I'm not learning about those things through language. We already have a system of communication that's in place and habits. And there's theories... um, We're not sure exactly how strong this is, but we all know that children, at least I say this in in air quotes, we all know children learn languages better than adults. But there's actually some research that shows that maybe that's not totally true, and it depends on what aspect of language we're talking about, because children get hours and hours and hours of input every single day. And most adults that try to learn a language, unless they're living in the country and being immersed in it, they study for an hour a day. And then they get frustrated after a year that they're not as far along as they think and they don't realize this is a huge task, right? It's just what we do in our native language is pretty amazing. And I sometimes make the analogy, all of us are like these very accomplished musicians that could play in an orchestra. We're all very accomplished in our native language. And then when we go to a second language, it's like picking up a whole new skill. And we wonder why it takes us so long and, and so much effort. And, you know, I've learned, I've learned 600 words. And that seems like a lot until you realize that many college-educated people know between 30 and 60,000 words in their native Whoa, language. And you start to realize. Wow. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, the, and you have to kind of qualify that because right. it's... It, um, 
a different word could be, you know, a variation of the word. Uh-huh. So you could have mountain and mountainous. Those would be two words, even though they're really close. The but, same concept. Yeah. But regardless, we know a lot. And so as an adult, it's a really big task. And I think it's important to realize that. And that helps us to be a little bit more forgiving of ourselves. And we have to realize that this is a big process to do. Now, it's not impossible and it's actually a lot of fun and and you can get really far, but it's a big process, number one. And number two, I think it's maybe not helpful to have the native speaker norm as your goal. Because by definition, you'll never be a native speaker of your second language, especially if you're learning it as an adult. Now there's situations where children learn it at, you know, at younger ages and things. And, and we could talk about heritage languages, but yeah, as an adult, like for you, Katie, and you went, you learned it at 19, I'm guessing. Yep. 19 19 years old, right? Yeah. You're never going to be a native speaker of Portuguese by definition. And Mm -hmm. so a more useful concept is a proficient um, second language user of the language. And we all know people who can, who can express themselves really beautifully in their second language, even though you can hear maybe a little accent and you know that's not their first, it doesn't bother any of us. So I think right. that's a much more helpful goal to have, to be a, second, a proficient user of the second language and not hold the standard up as a native speaker. Even though we all kind of do, I do myself as well, and I get frustrated when I don't reach that level, but... Right. That sparked a question for me. Um, and it's something learning a second language people always ask, but that this idea of being fluent, people always say, are you fluent? And you mentioned in there, you said native um, proficiency, but where does fluency kind of lie in that ability? Is it native fluency? Is it different than that? It's a tough question. And it's a good question because mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's a group in the United States, the American Council on the Teaching of Foreign Languages, they're called ACTFL. Mm-hmm. They've got what they call their proficiency guidelines. And what they are, they're descriptions of proficiency. And they're much more helpful than saying fluent or not fluent, as if this were some binary thing that you somehow arrive at. Yeah. Right. And I don't know, do you play a musical instrument? Yes, I do. I play the harp. <laughs> okay. So you could think of this. At what point can you be said to have figured out how to play the harp? Oh, that's a great question. That I, now, That's a great example because I'm like, wait, yeah. well, that's very much so a continuum. Exactly. I, mean, I would say you were playing the harp after your first lesson. Right. Definitely. You know what I mean? But you're right. not, you weren't playing it like you play it now. <laughs> oh no, that took me like 19 years. <laughs> 19 years, right? Right. And, and the other thing is you probably want to get better at it. Oh, yes. <laughs> right. And so you wouldn't uh-huh. say you've arrived and you can think of the sports analogies. I mean, I love playing sports and, and you know, you say, are you a perfect basketball player? And everyone would say, no way. At right. some point you get to where you can do, you know, if we're using the analogy of sports or music, you can play most any music you want to, mm-hmm. or you can play a game with anyone that you wanted to. You're good enough. Right. And right. that's generally, I think what we say when we're saying we're proficient in a language. Okay. We can converse with people. We can talk about general interests and things. But as you probably know in your experience, um, when you learn Portuguese, and you learned uh, Cape Verdean Creole as well, right? No, I wish I did. Oh, I was you didn't. Portugal. Okay. that's. But but you never went to... Okay, that's right. Mm-hmm. I was just on the... I, I was in the Açores, so... 
You're on I the Azores. I learned Suriano. Okay. That accent was totally different. <laughs> to- yes, I've heard that accent. Totally the- different. I actually saw one time in Portugal where and uh, someone from the Azores was from mm-hmm. the Azores was speaking and they subtitled him. Oh yeah, for oh. Portuguese people, and I thought that was oh. funny. It's so, I wish I had subtitles when I was walking around the islands for my first month there. I I was proficient at that point, but oh, it, it was tough. <laughs> oh, I love you know me. I love all the different language varieties, and I would love oh, to yeah. go there. But anyway, so the the point being, um you can do certain things and especially with what you were doing, you were proficient or fluent in those contexts. And then you put yourself out of that context and you have to go to the mechanic and talk about a car and parts and things. And all of a sudden it's really difficult. And so if we extend our analogy, you may be a really great classical musician. And then someone asks you to play jazz and it's challenging, right? You're not used to that context. And so I think um, as we learning a language and even in our native language, but a lot more in our second language, we have to give ourselves credit for the little things that we do because it is a huge undertaking. And as we get, we can broaden our abilities and also have them deeper. So say we were mostly, you know, if you worked for the Red Cross somewhere and you knew terminology that had to do with health, you could learn more of that terminology and get deeper in that area, but you may not be able to talk about politics as well or talk to your friends about, a, you know, play a baseball game or a, you know, or a soccer game and use the language that they would use in the soccer game. So it's really context dependent. And it, like you said, it's a continuum and you just, I never feel like I, you were so nice to me on the opening. He speaks three languages and I think, Oh man, I'm learning. <laughs> You know what I mean? I keep learning. Yeah. You just keep learning and fixing things that don't work right and, and yeah. correcting and those kind of, it's, it's a constant and continual process, but I think that's what makes it so fun. This is actually a great time to pause and have a moment for our sponsors because they've given me so much confidence in the financial world. I actually started this podcast because I was afraid of finances for a really long time until I took a class on how to budget and my fear changed to confidence. Utah Money Moms has continued to help my confidence grow. They provide free webinars and downloadable resources to help you understand your money personality and hone it in to make a good financial future. One of my favorite resources is their free downloadable calendars. I love the 2021 calendar because it gave me small, doable financial goals each month. So head on over to utahmoneymoms.com or utahmoneymoms on Instagram to download their 2022 finance calendar and start your journey of finances with confidence. Again, that's utahmoneymoms.com or utahmoneymoms on Instagram. You know, it it had sparked so much in me. And part of it is like my native language. I'm still learning my native language. I'm, I'm working on some grammar classes right now and I'm I'm making errors all the time. And so when you put it on this continuum, it almost gives you more hope as an adult learning a language saying, okay, you know what, let's let's scrap this idea of so-called fluency. And also then I'll not have to expect yourself with that native proficiency, but get in so you're competent in certain tasks. Having right. a task-based goal. Is that an advantage to have like a task-based goal rather than like, hey, I wanna be fluent. Um, Let's say I'm learning Spanish instead of being like, I want to be fluent in Spanish. Is it better to say, I want to go and be able to go to the grocery store and say everything and understand I need to know. Is that better? 
It's helpful. I, I don't know if I'd say it's better because you can kind of have overarching goals and then mm -hmm. intermediate goals. And so maybe your, your big goal is I want to be able to live day, my daily life in another language somewhere. Mm -hmm. But to get there, first I have to be able to go order food at a restaurant where I have to be able to go to the grocery store and be able to understand the labels and then check out. And so those are more task-based and those are very helpful. And, and there's, you know, there's learning um, paradigms, I guess you could call them that are based on tasks and, yeah. and the actful standards we use in the U S to kind of describe proficiency. It talks about those things. It says at this level, you can do this, this, and this in general terms, Mm -hmm. and, and Europe has a similar type model. It's a little bit different. They call it the Common European Framework of Reference, the CEFR, but it's it's similar in that regard. But yeah, I think you're right. It's it's super helpful to break it down and to extend our analogy, right? If you were doing sports, I want to play baseball. First, I've got to learn how to throw the ball. First, I've got to learn how to grab the ball. And then if I'm a pitcher, I need to learn how to throw certain types of pitches. And you're breaking it down into its component parts. I think that's helpful. I actually really like the analogy that you're pulling out because in sports, we, we always start with that. Like, like you said, baseball, when you put a kid in baseball for the first day, they're not playing a full game. You break it down into drills and then scrimmages and whatnot. And I think sometimes as adults, we, we do the opposite with languages. We say, wait, why am I not doing the full game right now when we haven't right. done the drills and practices so that just that helps put it into context as an adult knowing where to expect yourself to be and how to get there but as an adult if we want to learn another language where is the best place to start or what do we do about that you know there's i mean there's a couple theories on how we best learn and and they're really simple to be honest now it's how you figure that out in your own life but the biggest one is input we call it you've you've got to be immersed in the language and now it's so much easier obviously if you live in the culture you're going to be immersed in the language but mm -hmm. say we're here in the united states and we want to learn spanish a well, more challenging. The, well but the united states is a spanish-speaking country right we have right. millions of spanish speakers and so it's really easy let's choose one that may be a little harder portuguese right which isn't yeah. so readily accessible, but you could listen and read and tr and watch things in Portuguese and try to talk to as many people as you can. The, the theory is that our minds, there's kind of two different theories. And one is that language learning is like any other skill building set. Mm -hmm. But many people think it's not, that it's actually a unique human faculty and that our brains, at least when we're children and to some extent as adults, can acquire language and can pick it up and all you need is a ton of input mm. i don't necessarily think that's a hundred percent true but i think it's at least um you know very mostly true we also have to do some other things but the more you can immerse yourself and i always tell people um especially when you're starting out it's a little harder but once you get to an intermediate level you can start to look at areas that are interesting to you so if you would read about the economy, right? And you're interested in current events, read about them in Portuguese or whatever language you're doing. If you love sports or music or whatever it may be, if you love being in the outdoors, read about that in your language. So do something you would already do and incorporate the language into it. And so that's one theory, input. So as much input as you can get, it, that, is, that is the one thing we know for sure that to learn a language, you need input. 
And there's also a theory that says you actually need output. You need to try to speak. And it's in the act of trying and failing and seeing where you can't do, and then you repair and figure that out and try again, that that helps. And you can see that with children. They go through kind of a silent period, but then they start talking. Right. And I think kids, I'm not, I don't believe that we learn languages as adults the exact same way as we do as children, but kids are great examples. I mean, they mess up, right? Air quotes right. again. I don't think it's messing up. I think it's trying, but we we would consider their utterances ungrammatical in many cases. Oh yeah, and we we love them, right? They say right. there's a great example. A linguist talks where this kid goes up and, and says to his mom, "Mommy, me love you." <laughs> yeah. The, the mom doesn't look at the child and say, "No, it's I love you." The mom gives the child a hug, right? Uh huh. No, that's yeah. perfect. The, the, the <laughs> child communicated. Now, was it wrong? Right. Grammatically speaking, yes, but did the child communicate something verbally? Absolutely. Uh And we as parents, we don't sit there and correct our kids every time they say something wrong. Thank goodness. (laughs) Right? I know. How annoying would that be? We we give them a hug or we say, thank you so much, and we move on. And after a while, those things start to just disappear. They don't Mm -hmm. say, me love you forever. (laughs) At some point, they'll say, I love you. And and so you have to you have to just be okay with speaking and messing up Mm -hmm. (laughs) and just kind of sounding ridiculous at sometimes you'll say ridiculous, you know, you've, Oh, oh, right. We've all said ridiculous things. And then, (laughs) Oh, I remember I switched the word up for, um, for cream, for bird or for like dove once (laughs) for Palmba. So I said, I like, I'll put a bird on my arm instead of cream and oh, you say things and you're like, Oh no. (laughs) I mixed up yet and already once. I mean, I can't remember uh, what I was saying, but it made no sense, right? Like, have, uh, yeah. you, have you done this yet? Or no, have you st- still and already? One of the two, but it made yeah. no sense. And, you know, you oh, can see no. the blank stares of the people. And, <laughs> but, but that isn't you being bad or it's like, you know, we can extend our analogies, but it's like baseball. I threw a bad mm-hmm. pitch. Well, what do you do? Well, you throw another one. You don't yeah. stop. You just keep going. And, and as you do it more and more, and especially if you're aware you start to course correct and and do better. So then the last, sorry, I'm, this is a really long answer but to your very good, simple that's question. That's a good point. So good. Yeah. So you got input, right? You need mm-hmm. as much input as you can get. And as the more you can incorporate that in your daily life, the more it'll likely happen. Right. Output, you need to try to talk with people. Yeah. And then there's another um, strong theory that says it's the interaction. There's mm-hmm. kind of a term that's in vogue. They call it negotiating meaning, right? Between Mm -hmm. someone else, you say something and they may not understand it. So you try again and Mm -hmm. you say it in a different way. And in that process of interaction, you learn that can be hard if you don't know anyone that speaks the language, but especially with the internet, I mean, I think the tools are there that if you really want to try, there's so many sites and things that if someone wants to learn English and you want to learn Russian, say, for example, they can pair you up and you can try those things. I think it's really, really valuable. And especially if you're open to failing and messing up and trying again, you'll get it. I think that's the biggest thing. I like how you said, like with a, a pitch in baseball, you throw a bad pitch. Well, what do you do? You throw another one. Right. But I think as an adult, for me, my hardest thing is I'm I'm aware of the times that I mess up. And it's hard. How as an adult or how have you gotten over those moments to continue forward? Because I know that's where I get stuck with language learning. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I'm, none of us are perfect at it, right? Mm -hmm. Because I know you, you know about 
grit and continuing on and being positive. But like you said, even you get stuck. Yeah. And you're like, I messed up again. Yeah. I think we have to remind ourselves that that's just how life works, Mm -hmm. right? You try something and you're going to mess up. We can't be afraid to mess up. You know, I'm a teacher, but I I struggle with the idea of grading because it seems to to show you tried, you failed, you get a bad grade. And I hate that thought because there's the difference between what we call formative and summative. Formative is like, oh, I'm going to give you some feedback so you can get better next time. And summative is like this grade, the final grade where, oh, this is what you did. And what we can do is we take those that feedback or the grade or whatever it is in a conversation. If we mess up, we and the person doesn't understand us. And then we say, oh, I'm not a good speaker of the language. And I think that's a really detrimental way of looking at anything really in life. You want to think, oh, I messed up in that one moment or the thing I said didn't make sense. But I'm not the thing I said. I can just say something different, you know. And so I think it's a constant reminding of I'm not what I just did. I can change what I did and do something that I want to do more. And that applies to everything, but especially language learning as you, as you mess up, if you have, if it's fun, right? Just like baseball, if throwing that pitch is fun for you, I love baseball and I'm I'm coaching two of my kids now. So I apologize that I'm going off on. Oh, we love that baseball analogy is great. (laughs) Yeah. We'll go with the baseball analogy, but it can go, you know, music, whatever. But like I'm throwing a ball. If I throw a bad one, I want to throw another one because I'm like, oh, no, no, uh-huh. give that to me again. I want to throw that again. I can do better than that. <laughs> right. But if I hit, you know, if I strike out, I'm like, no, 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 let me go up again. I want to hit again. Yeah. And it's that desire. If we can look at language learning like that, you're going to mess up. But that's part of it. That's the only way you learn. And if you think, oh, I just want to talk again with someone. But and, and this maybe goes to a more deeper thing. I think if all you're trying to do is learn a language, it's always going to be hard, even though I'm fascinated by language from a scientific perspective. Mm -hmm. But if you really want to get to know someone and the only way you can do it is through that language, you'll figure it out because that's a real, that's a powerful goal, way more powerful than learning the subjunctive. You know what I mean? Oh, the subjunctive makes me sweat every time. I know, right? I mean, who cares, right? But But if I want to get to know another person and I care about that person or a culture or a group of people, I mean, that's powerful. And then you're like, that last interaction I had, I didn't express myself as well. I couldn't get the words out. I want to try again. It's not because you want to be perfect at your pronunciation. It's a bigger goal. Mm -hmm. It's like you want to get to know someone. And I find that to be the best part about language learning language is a window to someone's heart and soul, right? What we have on this earth is we communicate through verbal and nonverbal ways, but a lot of it's verbal, a lot of it's language and, and it helps us to get to know and love someone else. And I think that's, that's a really powerful, a powerful motivator. I'm so grateful that we have language that we have the ability. I'm just grateful for brains that learn that make it so we can connect with people. Um, I feel like you could talk for like four more hours and I just sit here and be like mesmerized by your <laughs> research. I'm like, I think our podcast listeners can know that his class was fabulous by the fact that I'm sure they're sitting here just like, wait more and more. Because well, and, you were, you were so, an amazing student. So that's, that's so fun. Well, it to takes be a wonderful people. teacher for, no. it takes a good teacher to love a subject. You can, you can, a love for a subject can diminish by a, a teacher who didn't do so well. So that is, that is, well, we are just great. 
grateful for your teaching. And as we're wrapping up our conversation, and now that we have so much, I have so much more hope, even in my Portuguese, I think we all have more hope now for language learning, just knowing like, get up like the baseball, try again, having that grit and, and having that bigger goal. But we want to know, what is one piece of advice you'd give your younger self to boost your confidence? Let me think. I mean, going off the the theme, I guess, of what we've been talking about, it's to, how would I word it? Get comfortable with failure, mm. but not because you're not trying failure. I mean, there's there's failure of just being lazy, but then there's a type of failure when you've given it your all and then you don't get the desired result. To me, that actually isn't failure. It's That's just part of the process. So maybe I could use a, a different wording and say, get comfortable with not being where you want to be right now, but just keep going. And I think the older I've gotten, the more I've realized that, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a musician. I was, I did a lot of athletics and I love language learning. And in a lot of these things, I used to think people just had talent, but the more I've really seen them, the more I realize they've just worked at it and they didn't give up. And every time they messed up, they, it let, the, whatever happened, they let it inform them so they can then do something different next time. It doesn't get them down. It motivates them to try again. And I think that's what I would tell my younger self. There were times when I maybe didn't do something because I, I was afraid of messing up yeah. in front of someone else. And I think, oh, that's the worst. We're all going to mess up, you know? And no one really cares anyway. If you do, they might care for five minutes and then they're going to go on with their life. So you might as well try and fail and try again and try again. And that's, that's what I would say. That's pretty cliche, but I think it's, I think it's really true. And I know for me personally, I, there were things I wish I had done that I didn't do because I was afraid. Mm, I love that. I just yeah. love also your idea of getting comfortable with failure because I don't know. I think our world has kind of like gotten uncomfy with it now. Um, and yet that's a process of learning a lot of times. Yeah. Um, and so I'm actually really grateful for that advice. I think that was a perfect, also kind of wrapping up with language learning because it ties in, it brings language learning to this bigger picture too, or, or the bigger picture to language learning is just keep going, like keep working at it. It's worth it. Put in the effort. Um, and if you mess up, pick up that baseball again and give it another shot, you know? Um, so that was the perfect last piece of advice there. We are so grateful that you've come and shared so much with us here on the podcast. So thank you so much for being on with us. Ah, thank you. It's been a, it's been a joy. And for your listeners, Katie, Ann was an amazing student. And there were times when she came to me and said, I do not understand this. Oh, not just times, like a lot of times. (laughs) I love, but I love that because I was like, oh, great. I now know that you don't understand that. Let's work it out. And I just, I love working with students and anyone who's open about what they don't understand. Cause when they open, they'll figure it out. With a good teacher, we figure it out. So yeah. <laughs> we're, we're grateful for good teachers like you, but thank you so much. Thank really. You. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks. I think a lot of times the feeling of fear comes from a lack of control in our lives. And our sponsor, PowerPay, is offering a money master course that's normally $40 for free to all Full Confidence Ahead podcast listeners so you can take control of your finances this year. The course is video-based and gives you real-life money smarts. So to claim your course, go to extensioncourses.usu.edu slash Pal, which is K-A-T-I-E-A-N-N-P-O-W-E-L-L, and it'll automatically add the money master course to your 
cart and you just click checkout and you'll get it for free. You can also access your course by going to extensioncourses.usu.edu and finding the Money Master Course under the finance category, then using the code Katie Ann, K-A-T-I-E-A-N-N, with no spaces, to claim your $40 discount and free course at checkout. So let's master our money together. Thanks for listening in on the Full Confidence Ahead podcast. Weekly on Tuesdays, we'll continue our journey of confidence together through new interviews and insights. Make sure to hit the subscribe button to stay up to date on the latest conversations and confidence boosts. And by the way, you got this because you deserve to live life full confidence ahead. See you next week.